0: Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining us from Vancouver, Canada, uh, is Dave Phillips. Dave, good day to you. How are you doing?
1: Oh, fantastic. If I felt any better, I'd be twins. I'd look as good as you, Greg.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate your (laughs) compliment. Um, I know Dave by way of Beau Parfait, and many of my listeners know he's been on the show before, uh, I think a couple of times. And uh, most of my listeners don't know I'm in the midst of helping him write um, his next book And we're getting closer and closer, but Dave um, met Bo and then Dave introduced us, or I should say Bo introduced us to Dave's wife. And um, I'm going to let my listeners know a tad about you. We're going to be talking about his book called The Three Big Questions That You Ask Sooner or Later. Um, he's a business owner, board member, author, columnist, TV host, professional athlete, world record holder, father and husband, and it pretty much describes Dave Phillips. He has also been a stuntman, professional ski show performer, and coach for some of Canadians' finest athletes. Dave broke two Guinness World Records for ski duration, uh, the first on snow by skiing continuously for 83 hours uh, 500 chairlift rides and over 340,000 vertical feet. That's a long way. But considering you did that in 83 hours, I could get it. It went up, went down, went up, went down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pretty much.
0: And the second on water skiing for 2,140 kilometers, 57 hours. So from almost from Vancouver to Winnipeg uh, with partner Ralph Heidelbrand. Uh, Dave also has been awarded the Bronze Medal for bravery on his part in a life-saving effort. Uh, Currently spends his time speaking and leadership mentoring for CEOs and business leaders. He is a top-ranked YPO, Young Presidents Organizational Resources, presented to groups in Canada, U.S., and U.K. Over the past 25 years, he's served on boards of several public and private companies. Uh, As I mentioned about his wife, he's married to Ontario Native Olympic gold medalist and alpine skiing Kathy Phillips. And they now live in northern Vancouver and have three grown children. Nelson, is it Lamy?
1: Liam. Liam.
0: Liam. And what's the last one? Michaela. Michaela. You guys you guys uh did a good job naming your kids. So so the host <laughs> of a podcast would have a tough time with that.
1: <laughs> but, yes, for, for, <laughs> we were thinking about this podcast at the time. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a great background about you. And I think to just kind of dive in here, you know, most of my listeners will probably want to know what these three big questions are Mm. that are referred to in the book. Um, And, you know, you're really very purpose driven. If people go to the website at dphillips.com, you can learn more about it. Um, He's got also another website that's linked to that so once you go over to the courses and you click on the course about purpose it'll go to the purpose process and there you can sign up for the course um, you can um, get involved in you know we'll talk a little bit about that course but you know for years um, Dave whether you're a CEO or you're an individual where you're working in a corporation, purpose, mission, vision, values has always been a, a big thing. What are these three questions, and what, regardless of my listener's capacity out there, whether they're an individual, a mom, or a dad, or listening to this, or they're a CEO or executive, are those questions that maybe they should be asking that they're going to ask sooner or later? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, wow, Greg, uh, great, uh, fantastic question. You know, and uh, the the reality is, I didn't I didn't actually just kind of make this stuff up. I, I started mentoring folks many years ago, two and a half decades ago, I guess. And and uh, you know, so we started talking. You know, one of the big things that comes up is what, what should I do next? What's my next role or job, or should I buy another business, or what should I do? You know, people are wondering how to spend their time, and so they would come and we talk about this. And you know, at first they started saying, "Hey, what's my mission?" or and in other words, what is it that I do? Because everybody knows the purpose for your life is about what you do. Of course, we'll talk about that in a minute as well, because that's a myth. But but the this whole notion of how do I spend my time? What's my mission? Everybody wants a mission to fight, right? And so um, they would come to this and they would go, okay, well, they were smart guys. You get them a job or buy another business or something and, you know, move them off on their way. And everybody was happy, except they would come back a couple of years later and ask the second question, right? So they asked the middle question first which is what's my mission, but then they come back and they'd say, you know, this time I want to talk about and understand why I would do that. So in other words, what's the purpose for that? In fact, the bigger question was what's the purpose for my life? Why am I here on the planet? Right? And see, we we determined that the purpose for your life is not actually to do something, to do your mission that brings meaning to your life. But really the purpose for your life is to first be someone, because really, it's about our character, right? And in fact, we don't really care very much about the missions of our children or those who are close to us if they're bad people. We want to say, what the, is the purpose for my life to first be someone of character? And then how do we describe that? So really, that's the foundational question in the purpose process.
0: And um, I think, Dave, maybe one of the things that you could do for my listeners, because you know, it's a big overarching question. Mm -hmm. It's a very big question. And one that maybe my listeners have or have not spent time trying to evaluate, or they want to reevaluate it because they've done it, Mm -hmm. but it's time to revisit it. Yeah. And you know, it centers around values for Mm -hmm. the most part. Um, And to get a clue to find out your purpose, you really have to have a pretty good idea of your values. Um, could you speak with us a little bit about helping one define those values, which I'm sure you do in your, your purpose process course, Yeah, it's gotta be part of that course. Mm -hmm. Um, and how those values help guide and direct them toward finding that purpose, which they then define a purpose statement. I'm probably, I'm assuming, Mm -hmm. um, and then they can start to use that as the North star.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, you stepped on a landmine. Great question. Again, uh, Greg, it's a very interesting thing. Values exercises make me crazy uh, because they tell kids in university, hey, here's a list of 300 values. Pick three and live your life according to that. Well, when I was like 20 years old or right in that age category, I would have picked traveling and snow skiing. (laughs) <laughs> and so actually, which is kind of what I did, uh, but, but, but then I realized, well, hang on just a second. Like, Hey, this is fun, but you know, you pretty quickly learn that you don't want to jump off big things for a living. All due respect to my friends who are still stunned, stunned people. Um, you know, and so you, you realize, hang on a second, what is it that I really value? Well, the reality is Greg, that there's three kinds of values. There's not just one kind of value. And the younger you are, the more likely you will get stuck on what I call activity values. So those are the first kinds of values. Like I like to travel and snow ski and water ski and do all the. It's fan, they're fantastic. There's nothing wrong with them. You just can't fully live your life by them. And that's what they're telling kids: you. pick your values, live by them. Okay, well, great. But actually, the further along you go, get a little older, and you say, Oh no, you know, I need to think about my competency values or my superpowers. What is it that I do well? What do I value doing? What do I like to do, my passion, for example, and what does the world value enough to maybe pay me so I can eat, right? So these are the competency values. So we have to have these, you know, these activity values are important. The competency values are, are really important. Um, so the superpowers, but then also below that are the identity values, Right. And the identity values, you know, this has to do with character. It has to do with who we are in the world. And I'm not just making up the identity values. These are the I'm going to say about 18, not a hard and fast list, but I'm going to say about 18 values that have basically held the human race together since the beginning of recorded history. It's the foundation that we build civil societies on. And so this is classically how we have described character. It's the things you want everyone around you to be. You know, mm-hmm. like you want them to be honest and good and gracious and you want them to be compassionate and you want them to have courage and, and, and experience justice and humility and grace and so on. Right. So you, these are all things that everybody thinks are good. And they are the things that we describe character with. And this starts the journey to say, if there is these 18, then how can I maybe pick three? And I'll tell you the dirty little secret, as you start to really understand those three, you describe them with the other 17. It's a a very interesting process to go through. And I could tell you legion of stories uh, about this. But really, when you start thinking about identity, you ask people ask people who they are, and they'll answer with their roles. They'll answer with the things that they do. They will not answer with the description of character identity. And this is the beginning of the life purpose journey: is understanding character and who you sometimes aspirationally want to be.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, we do have these various personas. We're a husband, and we're a, a business person, and we're this, and we're that. Mm -hmm. And frequently we act a little differently in each one of those roles, right? Um, But, you know, I remember having Simon Sinek on the show not that long ago, actually, and he got famous from a TED talk about our why. What is your why? And, um, you know, you say who we are, which is fundamentally at the core level of this is like, who are we? That's a question I think people ask for a long time, you know, Mm -hmm. who they are, because when you look at it, you have this emotional element, you have the spiritual element, you have the physical element, like you said, you were a stuntman, you're jumping off of stuff and doing crazy things and setting Guinness Guinness records. Um, But really, the when it comes down to it, um, how would you help people define their why? You just well, said in our first part why we exist, right? That's right. And at the core right. of why we exist is fundamentally should be their purpose.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And so the implication all due respect to Simon, the implication is that the purpose for your life is actually to do something. But the problem with that is if it's to do something, if you call your goals a purpose for your life, when you achieve your goals, you lose your purpose. And so I would call that purpose full, but not the purpose for. You see, this is why we really need to answer the three questions, not just one. Because the purpose for our life is to be a person we're going to be satisfied with at the end of the day. Do things that are going to be meaningful to us and the world around us and have a direction that will drive us beyond the end of our lives, ideally, which is vision. That's the third question. Mm-hmm. So you see this is the purpose, the mission, and the vision, and it's like the it's like the soul or the operating system, but every person on the planet is wired to answer these three questions i didn't I didn't actually think of this stuff. I just saw people coming back over and over again asking these three questions it was never two, it was never four. It was always three questions. And so I thought, and finally, a client said, you know, you should write a book about this, Dave. <laughs> that, that, that's where it came from. It came from a whole bunch of, you know, business leaders all over the world who were saying, gosh, this seems to really work well. Like, huh, why don't you write a book about this?
0: Well, and and I think it is three questions, but fundamentally to even get there, it's almost like a it's a process that you're you're weeding through lots of, Years of being conditioned, living in this physical world, uh, the challenges you have. And I really think purpose is, and I'm just saying this fundamentally, I think it's a spiritual quest. Uh, it's an inner spiritual quest for each individual. Now, I I just recently had, uh, Marshall Goldsmith on here, like literally two weeks ago and, and his book, The Earned Life, Something came up for me. You know, he said, Dave, we live on one end of the continuum, which is regret, and the other end of the continuum, which is purpose, mission, uh, it's happiness, it's joy, it's contentment. And they've got this continuum, right? And one thing I didn't know about him is that he speaks to CEOs and executives, just like you do, and coaches them about non-attachment and impermanence. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, those are Buddhist concepts, which I've known for a year. And I said to him, I said, Marshall, and I'm going to give you this question too. How can you speak to achievers who are big achievers about non-attachment and impermanence? It's probably not even in their sphere. And he said to me, It's not only not in their sphere, it's like nothing they've ever before been questioned about. And you speak about, in your book, four levels of happiness as described by the great philosopher and teacher Aristotle. And the reason I ask this question is because I'm linking it back to happiness. Mm -hmm. If on one end of the continuum is happiness, Seekomar Rao, all the people that have had on that have talked about happiness, lots of books on happiness courses at Harvard on happiness, how would you help uh, the, the listeners who are trying to find a purpose with one of those core fundamental elements being happiness, joy, contentment?
1: So there's 26 questions in there, Greg, just to be clear.
0: Okay. It says four levels of happiness, but you say 26 questions. Okay.
1: Well, there was a whole bunch of questions in there, but you know, the, the four levels of happiness is a fantastic model. Okay. And so, so if you take the, you know, Aristotle's four levels of happiness and, and, and frankly, take all the ha- local happiness research that's been done by fantastic work by guys like Martin Seligman and, um, and, and, and so many others. um, And I'd recommend people read Seligman's book. You know, I, uh, I think in about 2000, he wrote a book um Uh, called Authentic Happiness. I wrote another one. Oh, boy, there's three. The second one he wrote was called Thrive, which was an advanced. I mean, fantastic books on on happiness. Another one called What Happy People Know. Those are sort of my top picks, I guess. But, you know, when you think about the four levels of happiness, um, it, it kind of fits with this, like, how conscious are we in the world as well, right? So, but having said that, let's just go back to level one. Level one is media gratification. Right. And we all know a little media gratification. You know, we watch a Netflix movie, we have a drink, we do something, you know, fun. It's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with, but you just can't live your life at level one. So people realize, you know, it's got to be one more thing that will get me a little bit higher. And so they thought, you know what? If I achieve something, um, I actually am a little bit happier, right? And so mm-hmm. this is kind of the mission question we were asking, right? So if we do something, we are gonna be just a little bit happier. So um the gratification through achievement. But of course, you know, you can't get stuck in gratification through achievement because then you end up in this endless loop of just achieving to get immediate gratification. Well, everybody knows that doesn't work, right? So so then the human condition goes on and says, well, you know what, as it turns out, I, I like to take my immediate gratification, my contribution or my, my um, achievement and make a contribution. So that's the third level of happiness. The people who want to make these contributions on the the planet, right? And so that kind of brings level two and level one into into engagement, right? But the, the problem is like, for example, fundraisers love this, right? Because they know that if you've got, if you're living at level three and level two, kind of dipping into one, that you're going to feel guilty next year when they come back again, right? Because you're giving the contribution for a level one gratification. That becomes an endless loop, Right. Where you're kind of living outside yourself, so so you've got this, you know, um, immediate gratification. Um, uh, then you have this, you know, sort of achievement. Then you have contribution. But it's the fourth level where you really cross over the gulf, and this is where you you realize that the very happiest people historically, and this is I'm gonna, I'm, I mean, I'm maybe I'm pushing my luck a little bit. I would say this is broadly speaking, 7,500 years of recorded history on happiness boil down into one sentence. one Paragraph, And I would say that the very happiest people are those people who have become, I'll say it twice, but they become the kind of people who naturally or spontaneously engage their signature strengths to make a contribution in a virtuous fashion. So those historically are the happiest people. So, but the first part is about the being. Well, being, who are we going to become, right? So this is where we start talking about these 18 virtues or higher values. Like this is the thing that describes that describes character. In fact, if you were to take all of the spiritual concepts and 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 then try to get some sort of a word to describe a spiritual concept, that's really what the virtues are. That's really, you know, essentially that's right. that's, that's kind of what they are, right? So Would you also so,
0: refer to it as kind of the self-actualized state like Maslow used to? I mean, when Maslow's hierarchy of needs goes way back, many of my listeners you know, recognize that, the levels that people are at sure. as they grow. Yeah. Um, is it uh, that and the the stuff that Richard Barrett speaks about in all of his things as well? So I look at it as kind of the top realm. Uh, repeat your sentence again, because it's very good. Um, yeah, well, I think-
1: look, I mean... Firstly, just 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 to clear, Maslow on his deathbed um, kind of renounced some of the things that he said because I think he'd been speaking to Viktor Frankl, right, about purpose and meaning and <laughs> drive back and create, right. So, so I mean, there, there's some there's some interesting stuff in there, right. But if we come back to the to the to the being, right, level or. Um, The the happiest people have become the kind of people. So it's about that character formation of the virtue. How do we describe ourselves? That aspirational sense of self become the kind of people who know one another, know ourselves so well. And they've done the work and they've done the behavioral assessments and all those sorts of things to determine. Listen to other people. They've determined what they naturally do. What's their signature strength, right? Or we talked about the values, the competency values, right? become the kind of people who naturally know and engage their signature strengths of the things we do well, but not, not just for them. They're happier if they do it to make a contribution, right? But it's not just any contribution. It's a contribution that fits in keeping with what all of humanity has said are good things during the course of human history, right? And whether you are a theist or an atheist, right? It, it doesn't matter. Everybody kind of agrees on this formula, they might disagree on the origin, for example, but they did—they all agree that these are the very happiest people, the people who are being good people. We listened—I listened to a 92-year-old, our local billionaire, Jimmy Patterson, speak the other day, and essentially he said, "Like, what's the summary summary of my career? Work hard and be a good, honest person."
0: Hmm. I, I would agree. That's the simplest uh, way to do it. You right. s- you state there's five Y's and the uh, um five questions that led to discover your real purpose and motivation speak with the listeners about the five whys of purpose
1: well and again these are these are just little exercises that you can drill to drill down you know the purpose process is something i've designed to kind of fill in the gaps so you you know if you don't take all the seven steps that we'll talk about in a minute um the um I'm sorry, restate the question again. The Greg, five, the five whys. Yeah, the five whys. Yeah. So, so the five whys are this exercise that I'd heard of. And I, I, to be honest, I'm I, the time when this slapped me in the face was when I was breaking this crazy uh, water ski world record, um, you know, we're out there water skiing and we had come to, you know, three, four, five, six hundred 600 miles. Like every, by the way, after about 300 miles, everything starts to hurt and you got another you've got another, you know, thousand or so miles to go. And, you know, so you're dealing with pain, right? It's it's the closest thing, honestly, Greg, that I can think of to being tortured. Um, because it was, it, I, I've never been tortured. I don't think maybe my teenagers from time to time have tortured me, but, but I, honestly, the the they're well beyond that stage now. But, uh, you know, the when you are out there water skiing, three, four, five, six hundred 600 miles, everything hurts. Like you've got 26 bones in each foot. And then you take those and swell up all the connective tissues to that and then just slap it 20 or 30,000 times. And you tell me how you're feeling. You lose your sense of humor in a hurry, right? Right. And so at about 800 miles, I'm out there kind of desperate going, how am I ever going to ski another... Four or five hundred miles, right? Like, this is unimaginable, right? Like, the closest thing that I could imagine to being impossible, right? And so, you would think at that moment, Greg, I would ask myself a question that I should have asked a long time before then. What would that question be?
0: Why am I doing this? Why
1: am I doing this? <laughs> So you, you do, you ask the question, okay, well, so I, these are, I didn't get to five, but maybe I did, I can't, but I'll tell you the things I can remember clearly. And, and Greg, I cannot properly put into English what happened in this experience, because it was an experience that you cannot fabricate or, or, or make up. But I started asking the question, why are we doing this? And I thought, well, we want to, uh, we want to uh, break a Guinness world record. At that point, who cares, right? Um, I thought, well, what's, why, why would that be important to break the world record? Well, to raise some money for cystic fibrosis because it was this terrible, to CF is a terrible disease. And, and so I thought, well, to raise money for this. And I thought, you know what, write him a check. I mean, these are distinct memories I had at that moment of this conversation I was having. And then, and then I asked, well, why is it important to raise money for cystic fibrosis? And then all of a sudden, I entered into a daydream. My mind drifted back to the beach. And there was these two little girls, about four and five years old, named Joan and Allison Brennan. And they were dancing around the beach and having a great time. Both of them had cystic fibrosis. They were the most spectacularly beautiful little girls you could even imagine. And to know that their lives were going to be cut short... And I thought in that moment, uh, you know, Greg, I'm getting goosebumps as I tell the story even all these years later. Isn't that a strange thing? And as I remembered those two girls on the beach, I thought, can I give them another life breath, another another, another breath, another day of life? If, If what I'm doing now could give them another minute, another day, another month from research, from awareness, from whatever we're doing out here, I thought that's enough. And in that moment, in that moment, I can't, and I can't properly explain it, but somehow the impossible flipped the switch and became possible. Mm -hmm. There was a whole new gear that I got and I cannot properly describe it. It's, It's as though I had come to the end of myself and my magical athlete big, strong guy trying to do all these things in the way. It was like I had come to the end. We did not find out how strong and invincible we were in that event. Great. We found out how weak we were and we found out how important others are and how important this contribution is and to do this good thing. It, it, I think, I think it if it's, um, yeah,
0: this may sound a little trite, but it, it does answer the question. Just like you were talking about that billionaire in Canada, you know, work hard, do good. You're really, in the end, um, working towards something that's greater than yourself. It's like the sum total of of so much effort. I mean, your partner was with you. You were doing it. You were trying to break these Guinness Book records. Um, it wasn't about the record anymore. It's about the two little girls with CF, right, and something much greater than the record. Have nothing to do with the record, even though you did break the record. And that's what you can say. What you really can say is that you raised enough money to help research to help more people actually live longer. Right. And, And that's the, that's where you are. Now you speak to the listeners. You refer to this as your unique, your, your unique personal passion. Um, why, why would you recommend to people to figure out what are some things worth dying for? Now you might now you might have been on that water thinking, maybe I'm gonna die out here just because this is so much pain.
1: <laughs> that um, crossed my mind.
0: Yeah, it, well, it might have. It might have. <laughs> not that maybe you would have died, but you maybe you could have hurt yourself even.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, legs would great, have gotten weak. Great. Well, the bottoms of my feet were numb for two months and some parts for two years, just to be clear how crazy this thing was.
0: Yeah. Right? So it might not it, the question would be. Um I look at all these soldiers in Ukraine right now putting their life on the line for the country every day. Um I don't know the numbers that have died. I don't claim to know. I know that the losses are crazy. Um and there's no way to put a good thing, but when somebody says, "Hey, I'm doing this for something greater than me, my country." It's not, mm-hmm. not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about it's, everybody else. Yeah. You begin to see how heroic many of these people are that are stepping up to do that, to put their life on the line. Now, that's happened war in and war out, war in and war out. It's Vietnam, whatever. Granted, we have war resistors that ended up going to Vietnam and fighting anyway. Mm-hmm. But would you say that that might be this unique personal passion that would be beyond that? Would you find that in skiing across, you know, from here to Winnipeg? Um, it, what is that? Because you said it's worth dying for.
1: Well, the, the pathway, again, to answer the question of what's worth dying for, um, we need to determine first what's worth living for, right? And so the mistake that people make is they over-index on their mission. They think their goals are the purpose for their life. So say you win the war, but then you go, well, what's next, right? I mean, my wife won an Olympic gold medal and that when she was 10 years old and she was walking through the, she was walking through the process of doing this. She thought, boy, if I could just win an Olympic gold medal, that would be the purpose for my life. It was to be the grand achievement. Well, Fantastic. She actually won the gold medal. Good news. The bad news is like, what next? There is no higher, there is no higher goal that you can get in the the world of sport. So, you know, if you call your goals or your mission, the purpose for your life, when you achieve your goals, you lose the sense of purpose. Right. And so this is this is the grand mistake that people make and they don't circle back to this more spiritual thing that you were talking about. And, you know, we can even kind of despiritualize it for those who are scared by the word spiritual and say, what are the functional aspects of the of, of, you know, of the sense, the sense of goodness or virtue? I mean, you know. I won't dive into this, but, you know, I rewrote a definition for love, Greg, because I'm so very disappointed in all of the notions of, you know, love as being purely emotional or feeling based or emotion based. It is all of those things. You know, love is a love is a what I would call a mystical, unifying, generative force. Right. So it's, it's certainly all of those things. All the definitions are written on that, but really the practical application of it, like how we would treat, teach our young people, teach my daughter how to find a young man and love him. So beyond this mystical unifying force is, is the practical application of these, these uh, identity values in relationships with people and planet. Mm-hmm. These are the values that have held us together since the beginning of recorded history. Yet we don't talk. This is, this is essentially how you create all the emotion by loving somebody in this way. And yet we don't give a proper balanced credence to the practical aspects of what does history say about what it means to love?
0: Now right? Once you've defined all these things, Dave, uh, and you're now speaking about something that's like, okay, what is love? What does this purpose mean? What advice would you provide to the listeners about contentment and equanimity? You know, we go through ups and downs in life. Uh, you know, life is not just one continuum. Sure, and it, and it everything is perfect, right? right? Whether it's a marriage or a business or right financial and whatever it is, sure. and purpose. Uh, well, a purpose. A purposeful person, well-grounded, would, in my estimation, understand equanimity and understand contentment. In other words, if you're Mm -hmm. supposed to be this person living your purpose, no matter what goes on around you, you should be steadfast, okay? Okay
1: right and which, and
0: mm, what yeah. advice would you provide or what thoughts might you give our listeners about being um how do you want to call it uh equal mindedness you know
1: yeah uh, you know sure. Sure. Um, well, the, again, the foundation of equal-mindedness comes in the balanced application of these higher values and understanding what they are, developing oper, essentially developing op- operating principles around it and then practices, right? I mean, this is really the, the, the view of this, right? Now, you know, my view, and I would say a lot of history would support it, certainly. Um, you know, from, from a practical perspective, right? Like, You know, we've got all kinds of dysfunction running all over the place, right? That blind, that blinds us. The father wounds, the, the abuse that happened, the, you know, the misgivings that occurred, the broken families and so on. You know, a lot of that has, has really taken us out and people don't take the time necessarily to focus on what those wounds are that are, that are kind of taking them out. And, uh, you know, on one hand, I've heard it said nobody achieved anything with a little dysfunction. (laughs) On the other hand, I've heard it said that, you know, the dysfunction can take us out. And so having people do the work on what the dysfunction is, what are the things that, you know, consume your mind, find people to talk to. We are in a better time, uh, the best time of history to be alive, to determine what these things are. Although we're not perfectly clear, boy, oh boy, we're getting closer. And, you know, either talk therapy or different types of modalities can be very helpful for people to figure out how to solve those things so that they can get back onto what I call the center line. Greg, a lot of people ask me, you know, I'm off track. I just don't know quite what I got to do. And I say, well, do you know where on track is? And they go, oh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Right. And so this purpose process really is the on-track version, not based on what Dave's saying. It's kind of based on what all of history is saying. You know, there's seven steps. You know, it's what's the purpose for my life? What's my mission? What's my vision? Those are the three questions is what the book is about. That's where people start, right? But then they, they would come back later, actually, and they would say, Dave, what do I do with this? Great. What do I do with it? In a practical sense, you live that out through your primary roles, so you'll have different roles you know you'll have you know community member father career finances spiritual personal development and so on yeah five or six or seven based on that you then set your goals i'll tell you the biggest single mistake people make the biggest single mistake people make in their lives Greg that throw them uh, way off track is they set goals without first having the context of the roles so in other words they become really successful in business and 100 pounds overweight Right. Well, that doesn't work or they get in really good shape, but they're broke. Well, that doesn't work either. Right. So roles, goals from the goals, the tasks come from the tasks. It's a task to populate your calendar. Most right. people are living on their tasks and their task list and their calendar. And then they go, oh, I better set some goals. And then, oh, it's I better decide on some roles. And then it's hmm, why am I doing all this stuff? Right. And usually the younger you are, the closer you are to the seventh step. The older you get, the more you are focused on purpose. People usually start asking the questions around 25 years old.
0: Well, I appreciate appreciate you mentioning the emotional baggage that people carry because that does get in the way of them being able to advance uh, themselves. And always, you know, say, are they on the learning line uh, versus the goal line? Uh, the learning line looks at all of these experiences in life as an opportunity to transmute it, learn something from it and move forward.
1: Sure.
0: Um, versus just checking out the box. I, I made this goal, as you said, okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and the learning line is a continuum. It doesn't end once the goal has been achieved. So uh, that's important. And, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, you know, in kind of summarizing here, You have these three questions, but you also have this course um, called The Purpose Process. Um, Can you give the listeners three takeaways on what you think would really be important for them to consider maybe applying somewhere in their life that could help them uh, move beyond as you keep referencing a goal, but more a purpose? And what would those be?
1: Well, the, th- the three, uh, the, I guess the three takeaways, um, uh, the three things that I'd like people to, to really think about is, um, you know, that firstly, life purpose is three questions. It's not just one. Right. So, so ask the question of sort of the who am I? The why do I do what I do? It's a, it's really an identity question, right? The second one, what's my mission? That's where we spend all of our time, the universities and schools and so on. That's where they spend all their time um but the third question of course what's my vision and most people don't even really have an idea of how to think about the irrational process of vision but you will never do so well unless you understand the mission and the and the uh, and the purpose so it's those first three three questions there's there's three there's not just one question um you know and then the the second thing i would say is that you know if you don't know where on track is how do you know when you're off track You know, we must come back to this place where we start thinking about what are the central values that define my character, my purpose? What is my mission? What am I good at? Where's my center line in terms of my signature strengths? How I spend my time? What is my stated vision? Where where do I want to take all this, right? And then the roles, you know, the seven steps, right? The purpose, mission, vision, roles, goals, tasks, calendar. You know, how is it that I can build my center line so that I can be clear? Right? We 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 need to we need to know when when we're off track by knowing where on track is and it, it's not just Dave saying this I, as I've looked at all of history is really saying these are kind of kind of the quickest way to think about this I'm saying it's not for the faint of heart to be honest it's a, but it's this is the pathway that everybody's going to walk sooner or later and, and it, I suppose- it
0: is and it, and. It- I think for my listeners, and they've heard me say this before because I've done other shows on purpose, but it's worth repeating. Um, I used to teach a course uh, that Kevin McCarthy created called The On-Purpose Person, and I became a facilitator for that. And after two days in the course, now your course, I think, uh, runs anywhere from six weeks to 10 weeks, you say. And it is online, so people can go online and watch the videos and do the exercises and so on. But mine was a three-day, eight-hour-per-day course. So whatever, however many hours that is. At the end, I defined my personal purpose, which hasn't changed. And is I exist to serve, to inspire passion. Now, for me, what did that mean? Why do I do this podcast? Sometimes people ask, you know, you've done 900 and... 50 plus episodes of the show. Well, number one, this is my learning ground. I learn from everybody that I interview. Number two, it's my way to disseminate information to the world to inspire people to actually make that change. And it's moving people from, and here's the most important point, a point of confusion and misunderstanding about something to understanding and being clear, right? And so when I say, Passion, passion actually can be defined as getting somebody from cl- not having clarity to having clarity about where they want to go or what they want to do. And to me, I think in life, somebody like you can help somebody get clarity around their purpose is very important. Yeah. Um, and it, we help, meaning you as thought leaders, facilitators, light workers or whatever you want to call us, our role is to help the people do that. And Dave, I want to thank you for being on the show, mm. spending time with me, articulating what this is, what the questions are people should be asking. And then I'm going to direct all of my listeners to go to Amazon to get the, either the audiobook or to buy the book. And then we'll go to his website, which is dphillips.com. That's where you can learn about more of his corporate stuff.
1: Yeah, then there, be there's a, a link to buy the book on the website as well, which might be the easier pathway.
0: Okay. And then the other one is you can virtually go to his course section at the top and just click on cor- courses. And when you click on the first button there, you'll find the course on purpose. Hmm. And this is uh, something that's asynchronistic. So the, one of the questions asked was, well, can I take it any time? Yes, you can. Uh, because it's recorded and it's dave speaking and literally you can go up there and pop in and take your course and i will say it's very reasonably priced the whole thing i think was if you bought it all at once was 997 is that Mm -hmm. right yeah and if you pay it in payments it's three payments so do go to dave's website check it out there's a lot of places you can go to understand purpose um if it's you know, getting his book right off the bat to ask the three questions and start the work, but it's you got to start someplace. So I'd encourage you guys to start. Everyone is listening. Start, Dave. Anything you want to say to sum this up?
1: Well, I um, I just uh, people listen and they know that there's something that they should they should do, and I would uh, I would encourage I would encourage uh, the listeners to, to to just write down that one thing that came from today's call. Uh, whether it's buy a book or determine my identity values, whatever it is, everybody is usually, everybody's got something to take away because there is some great energy inside each of us to do some great thing. And I would encourage you to remember the direction is more important than position. And could that one thing change your direction one degree today?
0: Well, Dave, thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing the three big questions.
1: My great pleasure, as I'm sure you can imagine, Greg. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.